Welcome to the FBA Profit Show with your hosts Subi and Leland. Did you know 60% of people who start small businesses are between the ages of 40 and 60? Hi, welcome to FBA Profits. My name is Leland. Hi, I'm Zuby. You are. And uh, we're here to talk about our experiences and share with you specifically on FBA or Fulfillment by Amazon. We hope you uh, can learn something from our experiences. And this week is the very exciting topic of NARF, which uh, NARF. is NARF. <laughs> NARF. That sounds, um, it sounds like a um, cartoon character. It sounds, uh, I'm going to date myself here, but it sounds like something from Mork and Mindy. Oh, yeah, that too. The nano, okay, well, nano, so nano. if you don't know what NARF is, it uh, is an acronym for North American Remote Account. Fulfillment. No, fulfillment. Yes. But it used to be North American Unified Account, right? Yeah, a long time ago. They've changed the name a few times. There you go. So in general, this is exciting because it allows you as a seller, FBA seller here in the U.S., to gain access to selling in Canada and Mexico. And apparently Amazon's made it easy. So we can go through the details of that, but what's it, why did they, they, they started it, it was invite only. Why'd they shut it down? Do you, do you know, Zoom? Well, it's, it's uh, I don't know why exactly they shut it down. It, it's been in beta uh, for a while. Um, and I think um, they recently took it out of beta, but up until even towards the beginning of this year, uh, February, March, it was still in beta and it was in uh, invite only to specific um, uh, marketplace sellers. I believe they've taken it out of beta now. It's available to anyone who is uh, who, ha who has requested and been approved to sell on uh, amazon.ca and amazon.com.mx. Um, but um, I don't know why they, they took so long uh, for it to be on beta, other than the fact that it is a pretty complicated and convoluted process from Amazon's perspective. Mm, um, I would imagine, yeah, because you're dealing with, well, so there's pros and cons, right? So before I just start jumping around on here, the, the obvious pros are you make a listing and it can be shared amongst basically three marketplaces, right? You got Mexico, yeah. Canada, and then the one that you created in the US. So build it once, share it three times, right? And so, then I so, guess this, oh, sorry, yeah. So I was gonna say, let, let, let's just take a step back and, and sort of explain it um, as in generally what it is and how it differs from um, you know the other FBA processes. Uh, because right now, you can have an Amazon.Canada account, you can have an Amazon.Mexico account, you can have an Amazon.US or .com account um, individually or together. You can then have inventory shipped directly to Amazon.ca account in Canada and in, in Canadian fulfillment centers. You can have inventory shipped directly for your Amazon.com.mx account directly to Mexican FBA warehouses within Mexico, um, and the same holds true for the .com in the U.S. So w that is still available for anybody who wants to list their products and sell in those marketplaces. With Northwood, what Amazon has done is they said, um, because a lot of people were not going to, but if, if you send your inventory to Canada or if you send your inventory to Mexico, now you're responsible 
for all the headaches that comes with uh, cross-border transactions, uh, the, the tariffs, the, the, the fees, the import-export, the taxes. The, I mean, every, there, it, it's a huge headache. Uh, there's and, a lot of forms to fill. And language, right? I mean, maybe not sending things north, but if you send it south, one of the requirements I th Amazon has is you have to be able to communicate in Spanish. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and if you send it to Canada, you just have to add an A after everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good help. Yeah, yeah. But um, go, go sure go after the nicest people on the planet. Way to they go. Are, they yeah, are nice easy, people. Easy pick there. But and then also the other thing was returns, right? That was a big headache. Also, was trying to get things returned from these other places that could kill you as far as costs. Uh, yeah, yes and no. Um, if if you're doing FBA, the FBA process um, is very similar for if you're doing it in Mexico. So as long as the product is resellable. Um, or if it's not and you don't need to get it back, then and you can destroy it, um, then the return process is, you know, costly, more costly, but not as as cumbersome as the, the process of if you're merchant fulfilling it to Mexico. Uh, that's a whole different issue. If you're merchant fulfilling to Canada, because you have to deal with all those returns yourself. Um, but even using FBA in Mexico and in Canada, if you have to fill out the customs forms. You have to, I mean, you have to do all the, you have to pay for the duties. You have to know what, what is available, what is allowed, what's not allowed to be sent in there. Um, th I mean, there's a lot of headaches involved with that. Um, cost is definitely one of them as well. And then, you know, the currency tra transactions and, and changing uh, from dollar to pesos and pesos to dollar or Canadian dollar to US dollar. There's a lot of intricacies involved in just listing on a international platform uh, marketplace of Amazon's um, and doing it yourself, uh, sending it, uh, sending the products yourself to an FBA pro uh, FBA warehouse in that country. What NARF did, or what Amazon did with NARF, was um, they said you don't have to ship it to Mexico, you don't have to ship it to a Canadian warehouse, FBA warehouse. You can just have your inventory that you have in the U.S., um, not all of it, but most of it, triple listed. Uh, in other words, they will cross list the exact same inventory that are sitting in Amazon's U.S. based warehouses on Mexico's marketplace and Canada's marketplace, which is a huge, you know, just uh, sort of looking at it from a seller's perspective, it's a very positive thing. Now, we'll go into a little bit more detail about our experience of doing this and, and some of the <laughs> general pros and cons and, and some of the specific pros and cons that we ran into. Uh, but just from a, from a you know, macro perspective, looking at it, um, it's, a, it's a very good policy. It's a, good, a very good program uh, from a seller's perspective because we now don't have to deal with all the you know, quote-unquote BS of selling internationally. Amazon does. They take One. the 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 customer pays for the uh, import tax and 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 takes care of all the, Amazon takes care of all the um, all the cross border transactions. So we don't have to do any of that, which makes it so much easier for us to be able to list and sell products in those two neighboring marketplaces. Yeah, the only thing I was going to add to what you were saying was one of the other significant differences before. So if you do this on your own, you do decide to do FBA in Canada, you have to set up a business entity there. Same with Mexico. So you're tripling, you start to triple sort of your operating costs 
to just do business in those two regions. So, or three total, right? So you have a business here. Now you got to deal with opening up an actual business in Mexico or Central America, and then you know do the same thing in Canada. So there's a big cost savings there too. I mean, there's, there's ease of use, right? Which is the features, which at the top of this, I was starting to say it's a shared listing. You can use the same SKU, all of these sort of minute details. But some of the larger picture stuff was you had to operate each FBA as its own business entity. And then all of the headaches of whatever you have locally with the returns or shipping and all that then get multiplied out each time. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. So Amazon's done something amazing. I don't know behind the scenes how they're getting around this. Um, maybe you do, but I'm not sure how you're able to be a reseller or a seller in a foreign country, but not have a business entity set up there. So that's, to me, that's pretty, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I haven't researched it that deep as to, as to how legally Amazon is um, handling the issues, but you know, just considering their size and, and the power and the weight that they bring with them. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, and the Mexican and the Canadian governments uh, would allow them a lot more leeway than they would you and me as individual sellers. Um, but I'm well, sure you got to yeah. think of. So we 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 know this process fairly well. We've seen it. And so when they create the different hubs, uh, the warehouses, the distribution centers, the last mile, the amount of um, commerce that gets generated in those areas is significant. Um, if you start thinking about the number of packages that are arriving in your neighborhood and then you start multiplying it out, they also have, there's different hubs for it. And um, as FBA sellers, we know that there's like some central ones and then what happens afterwards, right? But all of those have to be supported. You have transportation, so there's drivers, there's the technology side of it, there's you know, electricity going to all of these, there's water, there's water being, shipped in right to each facility for people to drink uh so there's all of this other apparatus around the um the process i can't imagine and i know this for a fact especially in asia that they welcomed this the opportunities to um not only buy easier and get things which is what i usually think about with amazon but it's also the amount of commerce that it can generate in these in these countries and then in the different regions uh, within those countries. So I'm sure they're, they're probably accommodating Amazon with a lot of their requests, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Anyway, so features of it, right? We're talking about the shared listings. You can keep tracks of, of your orders. Um, and most of the tools that you have locally through the FBA, uh, through the Seller Central is available to you. And you pay one monthly fee. And that's usually the same subscription plan that you pay for um, the the general the North American account. account. Yep. Right. The, yeah, the pro account. Yep. So you can manage your inventory in all of these locally and abroad from the same same account. And then um, this, I thought this was interesting. You can have a global SKU. Right? The, your SKUs can be global, but then you can also create um, specific, marketplace-specific ones too. So you can keep it as general as you want, or you can make it, more granular to yeah. control inventory pools. Yeah, and and you know it it makes sense if you have a large inventory and and you want to ship them to different uh, marketplaces and differently. But um, it kind of um, uh, takes away the benefit of NARF by if if you're going to make it specific. Um, mm -hmm. and, 
it, it, it is a little bit more work, uh, but it, like you said, if you get more granule and and you start doing that, um, you will get a much clearer um, information about your sales uh, per marketplace. Um, you know, from those SKUs, it's it's a lot easier to track, especially if your sales start really getting skyrocketing. But uh, generally speaking, um, that from from Unless you're a, a private label company that has multiple products that are selling in multiple marketplaces, it really doesn't make sense. Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question about, I, I know we've done this dance, and uh, I know you have more experience than just with, with me on this, so I'm going to ask you some questions on what kind of growth you saw. But you mentioned the private labels, and this is I, I found this interesting in doing research to get ready for today. A lot of private labels appreciate these other marketplaces because they're able to test there. So rather than do a general release, even to their, you know, if it, if the U.S. is their target market, maybe they don't want to roll out. They want to understand, you know, if certain features or colors or sizes or whatever are going to be effective, um, they can test in Canada or Mexico. I would imagine it's probably more um, uh, Canada. Uh, specific to you know the larger metrop metro areas uh and they can they can find out what's working and what, what's not working before rolling out a full release and i think that's why they have this marketplace specific SKU, so you can kind of isolate those to those specific markets and then hey it works and then you can roll it out or they can tweak it and then roll it out yeah it's uh, for, for for brands for for uh, private label yeah. Uh, sellers, yeah. uh, it, it definitely is a great tool um, to really expand their products into different marketplaces that they weren't initially looking to do because of, again, all the BS that's involved with selling cross-border. Right? If you're a U.S.-based company and you are launching a product, you're you know Amazon.com is the largest marketplace in the world, so that's where you're la launching it on. To also consider selling in in Canada and and in Mexico, the amount of time, effort, and potential headaches and costs involved with doing that, uh, creating and shipping inventory to those FBA warehouses in those countries, it, it's completely cost prohibitive. Especially since you don't know what the market demand is over there for your products. Um, however, with this program, if you have that type of a product. Now you don't need to worry about the majority of that. You just, you know, you increase your inventory maybe a little bit, to uh, and, and and the chance that your mar your your products really uh, take off in those marketplaces. But you can easily start testing and uh, li listing and testing those products on how well they sell in those other marketplaces. Run your, you know, marketplace specific. Um, PPC campaigns and marketing campaigns and see what works and doesn't work without having to bring on uh, you know, Spanish-speaking um, employee to help you create different listings in Mexico for you and, uh, or, or having you know, knowledgeable employees or vendors that uh, will help you with uh, cross-border transactions. So yeah, for, for uh, brands, uh, it's, a, it's a great way to really find out if they should expand into Mexico and Canada or not. True. And I, I also think it works for here also. Um, so I, I think of, um, you know, some like Quebec, uh, Montreal to a certain extent, they mirror a lot of the U.S. cities. There's not much cultural difference between the, the two, uh, maybe 
uh, one's nicer and one's not, right? The joke from earlier. But beyond that, if if we came up with some idea for a um, winter time uh, face mask that uh, had more fur on it to keep your face warm or something, uh, rather than just roll it out here, um, we can test our uh, production facility, the supply chain, all of that good stuff, and do a soft launch in, you know, the aforementioned Quebec and Montreal, and also see what the feedback is early. Oh, the, there's too much fur on it, or the ear straps are too hard, or whatever it may be. And then we can tweak those things and then turn that around internally and roll it out in the U.S., which was our target market the, the whole time. Yes. So there's yes. other benefits besides just sheer growth right absolutely absolutely but i love that, how you that, went that's... for just sheer growth right away <laughs> well i mean you know <laughs> i'm like playing scaling. it safe like oh this is so smart they can just take it to this other market look at this and you're like we're just gonna grow 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 take over the whole world yes we'll talk but about taking up but... the whole world how so your experience because i've seen some numbers of other people using this program. So they got in earlier, by the way, you had that do over a million dollars a year in sales to get that invite and then they vetted you out. So it'll be interesting to see if what hurdles they throw out now as far as sign up goes. But back then I saw some numbers. So what was your experience in sales growth being able to access these two markets? Okay. So, um, one, we, we, we participated in the, in the beta of this. Um, and it was so bad in the beginning and it took them so long to really get us integrated and get everything set up and our inventory um, uh, crossed over that I completely forgot about it. Uh, I literally forgot that we were in this beta because month after month, nothing happened. We didn't get any, I mean, we signed up for it in 2019 and our inventory didn't get transferred until uh, I wanna say January of this year, uh, late December, early January of this year. And it, like six over six, seven months had gone by. Um, and so I had completely stopped checking to see what the status was. And uh, then we got a sale a few months in. Um, and I'm like, whoa, wait, what? We, we have a, and then we got a, we, we received a notice um, in Spanish. And uh, my wife saw the notice. Uh, she gets, she checks those emails um, and um, she took it as just, you know, a spam or something. They were trying to get us to come onto Mexico, so she just deleted it. I went and checked our account maybe a few weeks later and uh, noticed that our Mexico account was suspended. And uh, mm-hmm. we had uh, we had been suspended because one of the products that we were selling had an ingredient in it that is um, not allowed to be sold in Mexico. Uh, it's a it's a herbal product, and they just don't allow you to sell that product or that ingredient in Mexico. So we had to jump through some hoops to try to get that that uh, account unsuspended. Uh, sort of a little bit off topic from this, but it's very important if you are selling in multiple uh, marketplaces to one continuously check your um, that marketplace, even if you don't have any sales. Uh, two, if you do run into uh, any kind of problems with Amazon and your account gets suspended. You cannot just let it sit there. Uh, luckily, our suspension happened, and then I found out about it very quickly. So you don't want to, if, if, if more than 30 days go by where you're not communicating uh, with Amazon on that suspension, uh, not only will that account be suspended, but your other, your other marketplace accounts have a very likelihood of getting in trouble and, and potentially getting suspended. So that's a whole other podcast. We'll get into that <laughs> some other time. But it's, uh, 
you know, I, I went through it. So I just wanted to point that out. But as far as sales are concerned, well, a couple of things to, to, to keep in mind, first of all, um, the current the currency exchanges it changes daily so it's important for us to stay on top of that change especially if there's any major currency changes usually it changes by fractions of a penny so it doesn't really matter that much after you initially set your prices um, but it's important to have some kind of a reminder to check currency exchange rates to make sure or some kind of an excel spreadsheet to make sure that that if the exchange rates have changed you change your prices accordingly um, but uh, what happens is Amazon, when they take your inventory from the dot-com marketplace and transfers it over to um, Mexico or Canada, they convert it based on the currency exchange rate of that day that they converted, that, that they con added the products to that new marketplace. And then they add whatever amounts they believe um, need to be added as um, import cost and shipping cost and whatever else there might be. So uh, what happens is um, you know, you're, 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 there's going to be an import fee deposit. There's going to be a shipping deposit in Canada and Mexico. There's a tax um, uh, fee and a shipping fee for most of the products. Um, so all of those get added. So generally speaking, you're not going to if there are other sellers on those um, uh, listings that are selling from the country, uh, then you're not going to be the you're not going to get the buy box. You're not going to be the lowest price. But what we found out was that a lot of our um, listings, a lot of our SKUs that we have uh, in inventory, were not they had no other sellers. And the only other sellers that were on there when I went back and double checked everything were the ones that were participating in NARF and had their inventory. So our competitors and our big competitors in the U.S. became our competitors in Mexico and became our mm. competitors in, in uh, uh, Canada. Um, our sales specifically um, in Canada, only certain products are selling decent. I mean, we haven't seen any major, you know, I need to write, write home to mom about these sales type of days in either marketplace, but... Um, our sales in Mexico is much higher than our sales in Canada, are, which was surprising to me because I, f I thought maybe, can you know, our Canadians have, like you said earlier, uh, similar tastes to Americans and uh, they should, a lot of our products sell well in, in the U.S., so they should sell well in Canada as well. But whether it's uh, competition or just uh, our prices are too high, but I had to sit down and go through every single one of our products uh, products that were transferred over and calculate the conversion price and make sure that our margins are uh, high enough uh, to make a profit on them and reprice every single one. That's and, oh, sorry. sorry. I was going to say there, there are repricers that will do this for you, but even with the repricers, you have to go and initially set everything up yourself. Yeah. It, it's worth, your numbers are very close to what I've seen. Uh, at least publicly, other people sharing, you know, the Canada being about 5% increased sales of what they're currently doing, and then Mexico being twice as much. Mm -hmm. And I, I shared that same sort of uh, surprise with you. Um, and also reading uh, some of the challenges that people have faced with the beta program, including yours, uh, again, bears repeating, you need to be on that account at least to start every single day. Um, glitches happen 
uh, read one where the 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 skews were off. Uh, they were being attributed to something else, so they oversold on a product and they couldn't, you know, deliver. So they had to cancel a bunch of orders and they got negative feedback. It was totally on the fulfillment side, but nobody was, you know, this is in a different country. It, they were pointing the finger at somebody else. So basically their first set of sales in this avenue were had a negative feedback. So that just shot them in the foot right away. So it bears again repeating for third time total. You got to be on top of the account. And I agree with you with um, the, the foreign exchange rates, the X rates. Um, I I can't imagine that uh, Amazon's going to always favor and help you out. You're going to have to do your homework. And um, if you just start looking at exchange rates, if you're not that familiar, you'll want to really understand and look at the history of whatever currency that is. Not that you're going to predict anything. It's more about volatility. I would imagine the Canadian dollar is fairly stable against us. I can the peso's probably going to be a different challenge in that it fluctuates probably m more frequently and with more volatility than um than the uh, Canadian dollar and that's a whole nother world and like topic of you know how to not get burnt or you know people make money on moving money in and out of dollars and other currencies but to your point, you, you're just trying to protect your profits and uh, watch for any quick, sudden changes. So do your homework. Be on top of it every day, right? And and if 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 NARF really does pick up and and sales really drastically increase for uh, third party sellers in the U.S., um, you know, you, you very very soon you'll see third party uh, service providers that come up with you know different softwares that are going to help. Uh, make sure that your price is repriced based on the changes in you know the currency fluctuations of the day or of the week or whatever it might be. I think uh, just between you and I, I think you just stumbled onto an idea where uh, we could delay you, that by a day or two, and then you know skim the changes. You could really uh, have something you, special. A whole there. new arbitrage model. Exactly right. Uh, if you can write the program, <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> Dude, I don't touch that stuff with a 10-foot pole. It moves too quickly. It's too scary. I, try, I tried Forex once years ago, and uh, it, it it scared the crap out of me because I sent in 10 grand uh, to my Forex uh, account that I had just opened to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. It was years ago when I was on Wall Street, and I wanted to sort of diversify out of stocks. And uh, I opened up my Forex account, and I had a million dollars in buying power. <laughs> Whoa! And I just said, you know, that is it's a it's a recipe to get in trouble if you don't know what you're doing. Oh yeah, it was like a yeah for ten thousand dollars they gave you a million dollars in buying power, which was ridiculous. That that but sounds like the whole shorting game. Which yeah yeah okay. So I want to test you on this. We're talking about different markets, right? And so you you kind of need to know what's being sold there. I can't. First of all, you don't want to get in trouble like what you had with the herbal. Um, and I did air quotes because I'm assuming it was truly herbal, but I'm hedging. Um, <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know what that meant, if I just wanted to say exactly. Uh, you have to not only be careful what you're trying to sell there, right? Because it might not be something that can clear customs or you're not authorized to sell. But um, I, I would assume you, you got to kind of know what 
people are buying there, right? Um, yes and no. Um, for, for at least personally speaking, um, you know, we have I, I have a large catalog. Um, we do a lot of wholesale. We do a lot of OA, um, and uh, so I, I have you know fourteen hundred SKUs. Um, I think uh, maybe a little bit more. And not all of them transferred over um, because either the you know it's based on whatever Amazon determines that they can ship over to Mexico or they can ship over to uh, Canada. What I had to do in order to get my my Mexican account uh, unsuspended was to go in and pretty much delete more than half of my inventory or my listings that transferred over, uh, just so that I could be sure that you know I deleted everything that was consumable. Because I just I don't want to take any issues, any char, any chances with that. But um, the only way for me to really know <laughs> what's selling in Mexico versus uh, in Canada versus in the states is to test it out. I don't yet have enough knowledge of how do I go in and research, uh, you know, historical sales or BSR in in um, in Mexico. I don't think Kipa does um, uh, gives you information on Mexico and Canada. Um, I know um, that I, um, a lot of the other tools that we use don't really convert over to different marketplaces. No. Some of them do have them, but not all of them. So it's for me, it's just a it's a test case still. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're getting a little bit of sales from it, which is great. Um, I want to test it out. My plan is to really. Uh, test it out um, and go through it every quarter by quarter um, and see which categories are selling, which items in those categories are selling and which brands or which suppliers are selling well in, in there. And then maybe after six months or after a year, sit down and really decide, hey, these products from this one brand or this one category are flying off the shelf in Mexico. Mm -hmm. All right, let's come up with a strategy specifically for Mexico and these brands or mm -hmm. these products. Um, same thing with Canada. Or I can just, or if, if I see that, you know, six months down the road or a year down the road, my sales are insignificant in those uh, marketplaces, I will take myself out of them. Because if I'm not going to get sales in a year from there, uh, especially if I'm actually working on understanding it and, and, and sort of getting in more inventory directly towards that, uh, then it doesn't make sense for me to have those marketplaces open. Um, yeah. it's it's a it's a risky thing to have a marketplace account and not have any inventory or not have any sales in that marketplace because uh, Amazon's policies from marketplace to marketplace changes. And if you have a product that, that listing, even if you don't have an inventory, but you have a listing on there, even if it's inactive, um, that all of a sudden becomes you know hazardous or it becomes something that is not allowed anymore well your account can get dinged and if it gets dinged in one marketplace that kind of can slowly transfer over to your other account so our main account in the us is is the one that we want to make sure that we safeguard as much as possible so if i'm not getting you know sufficient sales in other marketplaces i will close those down within six months to a year and that's important to like if, you, if you're a reseller and you um, do uh, join NARF and you do get approval for Mexico and, and North America, but you only have 15 SKUs to sell, uh, for 15 listings, and you don't have that much inventory, it doesn't make sense for you to go through and the, the hassle of doing it and then also to risk those marketplaces. 
um, unless you're really looking to expand your inventory base and your catalog. So if that's the case, then yeah, by all means. But initially, if your inventory is slow, if you're brand new, there's no reason to. The, the, the U.S. marketplace is still, you have so much growth on that, in, on that platform left um, that if you skew and divert your attention away from that, um, you're actually going to be losing out a lot more than you're gaining. Yeah, I can't. I can't agree with you more. I think if you have a, you know, you're more savvy. You have a private label, and this is a great way to test, figure out cities that fit your demographic, and get lots of good information for larger rollouts. If you're new to this world, um, you know, clicking a button or submitting for this, and then the amount of homework that goes into it that time's better spent at, you know, refining your retail arbitrage or online arbitrage um, strategies and, you know, doubling down there as opposed to trying to move too quickly to other regions to say, oh, yeah, I'm doing business overseas or, well, not actually overseas, but in other countries. Yeah. Yes. No. I agree. Yep. Any other items you want to cover on NARF? Um, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, in, in, in closing, I would say if you are an established seller and you have sufficient inventory, go for it. Try it out. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. Um, it can it can help you, especially if you're looking to scale up and, and increase sales uh, into different marketplaces. It definitely will help you. But um, if you're a brand new seller, if you are um, if you're one of our students um, mm-hmm. listening in. Um, I don't think that you need to call us. I don't think you need to worry about this too much because um, you know, yes, we talk about scaling. Yes, we talk about growing your business constantly, and that's always part of your growth plan and 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 long term and short term plan. Um, it should always be in the back of your mind. But right now, like I said earlier, there's so much growth potential available just in the U.S. marketplace that um, there's no reason for you to try to expand out of it. Um, you know, once you get to a point where you know you have fifty thousand a month in sales, a hundred thousand a month in sales, you're you're getting, um, you know, you have your own warehouse and you have the you, you've sort of you're you're growing your business, but you have reached a point where you need to really expand and and look at different places to sell your existing uh, products as opposed to trying to go out and find new suppliers. Uh, then these places are going to be, um, you know beneficial for you to to look at and and test out but initially you're there's no reason to really waste time uh, or even you know waste energy thinking about this stuff because you have such huge potential growth uh, remaining in this in the u.s still great all right well as as always we thank you for listening especially if you got to the end of the podcast um there's lots of choices out there for you to listen to so we appreciate you spending time with us Check us out at uh, proasins.com. Uh, we're on Facebook too. Share the podcast, write it, read, review it, uh, rate it, and uh, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Subi. Thank you. Thank you for listening to FBA Profits. Visit proasins.com for more information like our Facebook group, Twitter, and direct contact.